You're listening to the RSA Conference podcast, where the world talks security. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this edition of our RSA C365 podcast series. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Casey Zirkus, content strategist with RSA Conference, and today I'm joined by my guest, Tiffany Bryant, who will be discussing how to defend with passion. But first, I want to remind our listeners that here at RSAC, we host podcasts twice a month, and I encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review us on your preferred podcast app so you can be notified when new tracks are posted. And now, I'd like to ask Tiffany to take a moment to introduce herself before we dive into today's topic. Tiffany? Hi, Casey. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here today. And hello to everyone tuning in. I'm Tiffany Bryant, and I've been working as a cybersecurity analyst for a little over three years. Before I began my career in cybersecurity, I completed a 20-year enlistment in the United States Army, where I first worked as a personnel information system management specialist, and then as an information technology specialist. I spent the bulk of my enlistment in front of a computer in some capacity, but it wasn't until the final years of my enlistment that I recognized I was profoundly interested in building my knowledge about the protection of digital information and devices. It might have just been a product of being in the Army for so long. Maybe I had built the habit of focusing on operation security. But that interest led me to pursue an opportunity to work in a cybersecurity operations center a few months after retirement, and I'm constantly amazed at the community of defenders I have encountered and the way that they work so passionately in a career field that has such a dynamic landscape. I love it, and I don't say this lightly. Thank you so much for your service. Tiffany, for the better part of this decade, the industry has been talking about the shortage of cybersecurity talent and trying to figure out how to recruit the right talent. So given that you are still fairly new to the security workforce, I wanted to get your opinion on the issue. Is a dearth of candidates the issue, or what's the problem here? Casey, I've certainly been hearing about the shortage of cybersecurity talent since I started in this field, and I can't say that I fully agree with the sentiment. One of the reasons I believe it isn't completely the case is because when I mention I am a cybersecurity analyst, oftentimes the conversation shifts to a place of pure curiosity about what I do and the path I took to enter this career field. People certainly are taking notice of career paths in cybersecurity, and they are asking questions. The technology we work to secure is ever-evolving, as are the threat actors trying to exploit each of those technologies. The consequences of those exploits are all over the news, so, of course, the greatest society is also taking notice of those two correlations and recognizing there's an enormous amount of possibility in choosing cybersecurity as a career opportunity. What I think is interesting is that it also means the challenge we face today with securing and then defending those technological advances requires people that are just as excited about learning how to defend that new technology as someone once was about creating it. I think that is where the disconnection is in searching for this talent that is missing. It's not always until you become fully immersed in the field that you see just how much time and dedication is required to see ahead of the hackers. I recently saw that the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics predicted employment of information security analysts was projected to grow 33% from 2020 to 2030, 
that's equating to about 16,300 opportunities for information security analysts projected each year on average over the decade. The field is definitely growing at a speed that could be difficult to fulfill. I just can't say it's going to be an impossible task. Well, my experience has been that people are excited about cybersecurity and also curious about what it will take for them to fill those roles. From a current standpoint about the statement, maybe it isn't as much the dearth of candidates as it is we may not be actively shaping the passion towards the field. There's always someone out there seeking ways to hack into our defenses, and we just have to figure out a way to create the type of excitement about building those defenses to drive people to the field despite this notion that the talent isn't available. Absolutely, I agree. You know, and it's funny because I saw this joke on LinkedIn last weekend that was, uh, how did the hacker escape? Do you know the answer? <laughs> I don't. He ran somewhere. <laughs> Which I think is hysterical, right? And so I told the joke to my sister, who's a, a goat farmer, and to people that, like, don't work in the industry at all. And they get it. It's the funny thing, right? So it's like, you know, when you say that people are curious and, you know, the, that it's becoming sort of a, this household name or, you know, idea or concept of cybersecurity and hacking and ransomware, it's true, right? The curiosity is definitely growing and the, because the impact is so much greater, right? So mm-hmm. undeniably, there will always be malicious actors and luring them to the good side could, in some people's eyes, be a fool's errand. But there are also plenty of folks who are just being curious about how things work. And these are the hackers we want to focus on recruiting, right? So can you talk a little bit about your own passions? What aspects of hacking drew you to pursue your career? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Casey. Interestingly enough, as I mentioned before, one of the things that drew me to pursue my career was a constant requirement to maintain operation security as a part of my time in the Army. However, even before that, I always had this incessant need to answer the question, if this device or this program can already do this thing, can I also make it do this additional thing? Like, can I change it in some way? For some reason, I've been like that since I was a young lady using cassette players and discmans and walkmans, things that people probably now don't even know what they are. <laughs> but I always wanted to know how something functioned so that I could find a way to make it perform in a way that better fit my personal specifications or my desires. As I got older, and as you could imagine, that led me to breaking a lot of software programs but there was a young man that was assigned to my unit that would always have to come and repair my computer. And we were friends, so I'd peek over his shoulders, watching his every move, and with every click of the mouse that he used to restore my computer back to normal, it just made me want to know even more about computers so I could be sitting in that seat. Eventually, I changed career fields in the Army to become an information technology specialist, and it was while I performed in that role that I became more aware of the concept of hacking. When I found out there were roles that existed and people who were making a legitimate career of hacking, let me tell you, Casey, I wanted in. So when people ask me what I do (laughs) as I continue to grow in this industry, I instantly want to respond with, oh, I want to break things. But as you know, that causes a lot of alarms to go off in a professional environment. 
But ultimately, it is my truth. I want to wake up in the morning knowing that each action I take will be in preparation to hack into a device or a network in a way that provides more value than just proving to myself that I can do it. I'm excited about hacking because the goal of breaking things for me now will be about helping people build a more secure product or environment that functions in all the new and interesting ways that we can imagine while still protecting our most valuable information. I love that, and I love the the passion with which you deliver that truth, right? You can You can feel that this is what drives you. And I'm sure that some of that, um, you know, you speak about the gentleman that you are friends with that fixed your computer. I'm sure there are others, uh, mm-hmm. legends of the hacking industry that uh, you learned from them or admired them or were even inspired by them. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about who those people were? Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, one of the most well-known hackers that I learned about pretty quickly is Kevin Nitnick, right? So here was a guy that was wanted by the FBI, but at the end of the day, there was an overwhelming amount of reporting that stated his motivations weren't particularly to cause detrimental harm as much as it was to gain information. I mean, Kevin Mitnick, in his own testimony to the U.S. Senate Committee on Governmental Affairs, stated that his motivation for hacking was the quest for knowledge or the intellectual challenge, the thrill, and also the escape from reality. And as many of us know, that quest led him to being considered as arguably the most notorious computer hacker in the world. I think his story is one of the most interesting for me because it shows that hackers are quickly labeled as the bad actors, and we have to find a way to change the narrative a bit as members of this community. Kevin is a trusted security consultant to the Fortune 500 and many government organizations worldwide. He's even now using his own passion for that quest for knowledge, to train employees to better manage the urgent IT security problems encountered in our organizations now. If you look back even further to Joe and Gracia Jr. for Joy Bubbles, there was a young man who stumbled upon an ability to control ordinary telephones by whistling simply because of a relentless curiosity about the world around him. Joy Bubbles was described by the New York Times as the Peter Pan of phone hackers. He may have been the first telephone hacker in a long line of phone freakers that includes names like Apple founder Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. These gentlemen made a business out of manufacturing and selling phone freaking gear before they founded Apple Computer in 1976. And here we are, Casey, still in 2022. And Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak are still two of the biggest names in the tech industry. So for me, Mm -hmm. those are some of the influential hackers, if you must call them that, (laughs) that inspired me to never stop asking what is possible because I believe that a continued pursuit of knowledge is what it's going to take to be great at protecting our networks against the new age of hackers and threats. And so much of that relies on the ability to cultivate the sense of passion, right? So as Mm -hmm. an industry, how can we do that? How do we cultivate a relentless curiosity or quest for knowledge within our career field and within the greater society? That's a great question, Casey. 
and one that I think we have to answer as a community because it's going to take the community to build the type of interest that goes beyond the workday and beyond the workplace. However, I think we can get off to a good start by being vocal about how passionate we are about defending networks when we speak with people that aren't a part of the cybersecurity communities that we're in. That's one way to help the greater society start to engage in conversations that lead them into pursuing positions in cybersecurity. I think internally, though, it's going to be a matter of dedication to career development and being willing to offer cyber opportunities to candidates that may not meet every one of the specifications we were looking for on paper, but are generally interested and extremely passionate about learning as they work. Is the talent that we're looking for only people with four-year degrees coupled with a five-year minimum of work experience? We're excluding people that may not have had the opportunity to attend a college, but who figured out how to build a lab at home while watching YouTube videos and participating in online training programs like Try Hack Me, the Cyber Mentor Security Academy, Hack the Box, or many of the other programs that provide a wealth of training and valid certifications at a fraction of the cost and the time it takes to complete those college programs. But before I get too far off topic, I think a key element is recognizing that skills like great communication, leadership, and motivation to learn are critical to our field. And I think investing in each candidate at their current level of knowledge is something we can do to create a culture of passionate learners and defenders. In organizations, we can provide mentorship and develop programs that allow us to encourage and reward the talent we have with opportunities to advance into those positions we're trying to recruit for. I love that. And I, I think you're so right about, you know, the training and how we define, you know, job descriptions and what we're looking for and what we actually need, right? And this idea that there's only one path to become educated. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to evolve, certainly, um, <laughs> on that thinking as a society. Um, that is probably in part answer to my next question, but what are some of the obstacles to bringing new talent into this industry? You're absolutely right. We have objectives that we're trying to meet when we recruit for a talent, um, but sometimes I think we have to look outside of those requirements and, again, recognize that people come from different places and that diversity is going to be something that carries us into the next generation of defending against the next cyber threats that are coming in our career field. It's also tough for me to pin down the greatest obstacles of bringing in new talent in the industry because I've also haven't been particularly active in this field for too long or long enough to participate in some of that process, though. So, I'll move on to speak to some of the concerns I've heard from peers about taking action and trying things that haven't specifically been taught to them in the roles. And one of the things I hear the most, and something I even struggle with in the beginning as an information technology specialist or even a cybersecurity analyst, was that fear of breaking something or being the one that causes the harm. In this field, Mm -hmm. I think we can also overcome that fear by having open discussions in the workplace about creating and maintaining lab environments that can be used to foster a culture of continuous learning that can go beyond those fears of getting something wrong. 
Another interesting topic that comes up is the uncertainty that knowledge transfers across career fields. And being able to have communications, open engagement with friends and family that allow us to say things like mechanics understand vulnerabilities of an entire vehicle. And that knowledge can help to improve the defenses. So the obstacles that we are facing as we talk to each other as a community, we'll be able to battle them no matter what they are. Mm, I love that. Tiffany, I really appreciate your perspective here, particularly because you are new to the industry, right? And you are the talent Mm -hmm. organizations want to keep, right? We can hear your passion and your voice and, you know, this dedication that you have to learning. And I I love it. I'm so inspired by it. Um, Hearing your (laughs) voice will hopefully help security teams think differently about how they can attract and retain qualified candidates before their flames of passion are diminished by burnout or other circumstances that might lead people to Mm -hmm. leave the industry. So before you close, do you have any words of final wisdom for our listeners, maybe to sort of speak to how to hold on to that passion in the face of an industry that is sort of clouded by that threat of burnout? Casey, excitement is contagious. Expressing your passion for cybersecurity can motivate teams and drive engagement. So speaking, we have to speak to people, not just in the cybersecurity community, but we have to speak to people in the greater society and explain why we enjoy being the defender and how our role provides with teams that encourage them to become more comfortable with speaking fluently about what they're doing and why they're learning and how what we're doing can improve our safety, our privacy, and our lives. So just be out there, be an advocate for cybersecurity, be an advocate for defending the networks, and never stop talking to the community and the people around you. I love that. And I hope that, you know, you do inspire people to do that because I think that will help to change the narrative. And I know that, you know, you and I had talked about, you know, this idea of the way the industry is presented in the news, right? And there's all this focus on the clickbait, right? The, the hack, the, the bad thing that happened. Um, but mm-hmm. there are far more stories about the defenders that are doing amazing work and, you know, stopping those threats before they get into the network and cause great harm. And and I think that more voices Absolutely. being heard about, you know, the love that they have for doing that and the success that they have at doing that will really help mm-hmm. to inspire more people. I love it. Thank you so much. Tiffany, thank you for joining us. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. To find products and solutions related to hackers and threats or professional and workforce development, we invite you to visit rsaconference.com forward slash marketplace. Here you'll find an entire ecosystem of cybersecurity vendors and service providers who can assist you with your specific needs. Please keep the conversation going on your social channels using the hashtag RSAC, and be sure to visit rsaconference.com for new content posted year-round. Tiffany, thanks again so much. Thank you, Casey.